ESPN's The Far Post podcast. It's Tilly's time. It's time to talk Tilly's. We have our squad for the two friendlies against New Zealand at the start of April, and we are here to talk you through everyone who made it and everyone who didn't, because that's a big talking point. Before we get into today's chat, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's Tilly's debrief, you have me, Marissa Lodanik, Anna Harrington, Sam Lewis, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So let's talk about it, gals. We've got 23 players, only one change from the Asian Cup squad. The big inclusion is Katrina Gori, who after 778 days is back in the national team after giving birth to her beautiful bub. It's an awesome story, so obviously we will talk about that. There are a few players who raised some eyebrows, their omission. It was a little bit of a, what do you mean they haven't been selected? That's a bit how you're going. So obviously we will talk about them. And Tony Gustafson's press conference was quite interesting. He had a lot of great things to say, a lot of them that we already kind of knew as dub fans. So we'll get into all of that. Let's start with Katrina Gorey because this was the big story there were some really awesome videos and social content from the Matildas about her return and how excited she was to be back in amongst the squad with the team. So let's talk about Minnie and what she's going to bring to this team. I feel like it's an obvious question because we all know what she brings and what she does, but how much are y'all looking forward to seeing Minnie back in the green and gold? She's going to be fabulous. And I think it's important to remember as well that she was actually selected to go to India but she turned it down because she was a little bit nervous about the travel with her new bub, which absolutely fair enough. Uh, but the fact that, and this is what Tony Gustafson said in the presser as well, the fact that she has reached the level that she has so quickly is a real testament, not only to her character, but also to her professionalism and her drive. Like she, when she fell pregnant, I remember her giving interviews saying that she still has her eyes on Matildas, you know, like this kind of decision can completely derail a person's life and that will not derail, but it can put a person on a completely different track in their lives. But the fact that she has always had that other goal to come back and represent the Matildas and hopefully make the squad for 2023, it's incredibly admirable because we've seen over the course of this A-League women's season that she has done that. She has done the work. And what was fascinating about what Tony was saying was that not only has she been doing her own sort of sessions with with the raw and trying to get back to fitness, but she's also like proactively engaged with Football Australia and the Matildas coaches to get extra sessions under her belt. So she's had extra fitness, she's had video sessions, she's had strategy sessions. So she's really like being extremely proactive in wanting to get to the back to the international level that she knows that she can play at and that Tony and the team expect her to be able to play at as well. And she should really be commended for that. I think it's worth remembering. She had a shocking injury run for a bit there before, um, before her pregnancy, like she had to fight back from a really bad ankle injury pre uh, world cup. I'm going to say um, she's had just some really shocking ones. So I imagine actually giving her body the time to, to recover in that sense, not having to push it over and over again, trying to get picked for squads, pushing your body to the limit, getting injuries, picking up more niggling injuries. And 
just letting her body breathe in that sense has probably been quite refreshing. And you, you can't deny that her form this season was sensational. We all know what she can bring. We all know her cre- creativity. She loves a long shot at goal. She was, in many ways, we saw the best bits of Katrina Gorey that we haven't seen for a very long time um, this season. So it's exciting. It's, it's clearly the, you know, the the highlight, the feel-good story of this squad, and she deserves to be there. Um, good areas. It's going to be exciting to see how um, she's paired with, like, younger players who've come through since she's sort of been out of the Matildas as well. Um, and I guess how she's going to be utilised in that way because now we have, like, a lot of very good attacking midfielders. So I guess striking that balance will be really interesting. Um, But maybe it means that, yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking like Kara can cross Mary Fowler. Like I haven't seen her play. I don't know if she didn't play very many minutes. She wouldn't have at any point in time. Yeah. So be good. Sam? Yeah. Bouncing off that, something Tony said was that he is kind of sad that Minnie wasn't in India because she is exactly the kind of midfielder that would have been perfect against South Korea. You know, she is incredibly creative. She has very, very good ball control. She has vision. She has technique. She has all the little things that you need against a team like a South Korea or a team really against any of the of the Asian nations that really bunker in and they set a deep defensive block and they need that player to be able to, to unlock it. We have an Emily Van Egmond, but she, I mean, arguably sort of didn't really hit the, her strides the same way that we did see in the Olympic qualifiers. Um, but Agori coming in, I think having played at that level already, she really offers a different kind of dynamic. And you're right, Angela, I think the way that she combines with younger midfielders in, in that sense is going to be fascinating. I think it's going to give someone like a Kara Cooney cross perhaps more license to go forward, to be a little bit more attacking as she naturally does. Like when we, when she was at Western Sydney, for example, or Melbourne victory last season, she was more of a sort of attacking midfielder as we know her to be. And she was deadly. She was so good in that role. She has that burst of pace. She has the technique. She has the shot. She has all that sort of stuff, but we didn't see that in India because she was sort of wrangled backwards to be more of a box to box, more defensively minded. And that I don't think suited her. So I'd be curious to see how perhaps she is challenged by Gori coming in. Um, but I think overall it's just it's really important to have a different kind of midfielder, a different kind of, um, of attack-minded player, a different kind of player who can dictate a different tempo of play. Like we just need something different. And I think that was sort of the main takeaway from, from the Asian Cup is that, you know, we – it seems like we've hit a bit of a ceiling here and something needs to change because if we perform that way in the World Cup, it's going to be pretty disastrous. Sam, I think it rolls perfectly into the issue that most people had with this squad because you talk about the freshness that Katrina Gorey can provide, how she can interact with different players, give us something different, which we desperately needed. And I think most people looked at this squad and went, what? That's it? Because it's so samey, and I know that's not really a word, but that was the best way I could think of to describe it. You have a an Asian Cup campaign that I think everyone pretty fairly described as a failure, and the only change is injured Holly McNamara goes out. Katrina Gorey, who would have been picked originally, comes in. And I think midfield was one of the 
the key things where we clearly need to see a change up, but we're not seeing, and this is clearly everyone's biggest bugbear, Alex Chidiak, the form midfielder, or bar maybe Mackenzie Hawksby, Alex Chidiak, who is already capped for Matildas, who, um, and you gave me some context, obviously Sam has, has knocked back previous calls for her own reasons as she looked to build game time and fitness. But since previous camps has been one of the standout players in the A-League women's competition, that performance against Melbourne City, um, I don't want to say single-handedly, but she she certainly put them on her back and, and drove them into that grand final. And it, it, I think it's just so frustrating for everyone. I think what we wanted to see from games against New Zealand was not a known quantity. We know that, Emily Van Egmond can, you know, potter around midfield and she can attack and create and whatever. We know that she's more limited as a six. Do we learn anything by having this same group of players again? again? We don't. And I think the frustrating thing for everyone is it's not like we've just come off winning the World Cup or just come off gold at the Olympics and you go, oh, this, this group of players has done the job before. They can do it again. They didn't. <laughs> they weren't able to complete the job in India. So I feel like there's a lot of frustration when the squad came out yesterday, especially after an A-League women's season where you had some great players really lay down a market. When you look at the success, and I know McNamara is injured, but Courtney Vine and McNamara, when they came in, they showed that players in form can make an impact. So when we don't see Alex Chidiak called in, which I think for weeks, I know you've been saying it, Sam, I've been saying it, Melbourne media has been saying it, Sydney media, like even, you know, even our good friends that cover the Phoenix are saying, Alex Chidiak, surely in the Matilda squad. And then she's not there. It, it's pretty flabbergasting, to be honest. I was also surprised that Taylor Ray, after only COVID stopped her going to India or Dubai initially in the first place, didn't get called upon here. Like if you if you thought she was ready to maybe throw herself into the environment, why isn't she there? And then there's, um, I just mentioned Mackenzie Hawksby before, who I think is among a, a plethora of players, Winona Heatley. I, I, the squad is very samey. And then it's also small, which confused me. Like for a couple of friendlies at home, why aren't we seeing a, you know, a 30 plus player squad, the best sort of 10 performers from the A-League women coming in, players being rewarded for top form. And like, you know, the we know the the limitations of the A-League women that it's short, that in terms of where it lines up, but surely a couple of friendlies in April, you know, a week or two after the A-League women's season finishes is the perfect time to bring in the best performers from this competition. They're not going to be at any better form than Right now, so instead of, you know, preparing for a Matildas camp and trying to make an impact and break into a midfield that desperately needs something, Alex Chidiak, who I spoke to Kara Cooney-Cross, I mentioned this the other day, she said she's played a more defensive role to allow Alex Chidiak to do what she does. One of these players is in the Matildas squad and one isn't. Why wouldn't you have both? But it just is very frustrating and that's the sense I've got across uh, Twitter and across just conversations with other people who follow the dub that this was maybe the squad to not experiment, but to reward these players who are in their um, early to mid-20s who've got lots of dub games under their belt to say, yeah, let's see if you can do it. And I think it's a it's a missed opportunity. I, I, I get that you've got to play the greatest hits and, you know, in Canberra and Townsville, they'll, they'll want to see Sam Kerr, they'll want to see some great players, but why can't we see the best of the rest as well, Sam? Uh, 100%. And I, I want to speak specifically to Hawksby and Ray, because when you look at the players that they would potentially be replacing, 
I think they have a pretty good argument for why they should be in front. And so the first is if a Hawksby was was brought in, which I absolutely think she should have been, she has been the leader across multiple statistics in the A-League women's. She has the most assists, she has the most key passes, and she has the most big chances created. She was the most creative player across the entire competition. The player that I think that she would probably replace is Nemily Van Egmond, who has just started her season with San Diego in the NWSL. She's only had a preseason. She's only had one game. That's not really ripping form. She's not really at full fitness. And you're also coming up against New Zealand. Like, no offence to the Kiwis, but, you know, you're not Germany. You're not, you're not a France. You're not a Japan you know, this is the kind of moment to bring in these kinds of players who are in top form, the toppest form that they have been in for a number of years, and to see what that form can translate into at the international level. Like, I know that it's a step above in terms of speed, in terms of decision-making, in terms of the quality of the, of the technical players. I get that. But if you don't take an opportunity to select a player who has had the best season that they have ever had in football and and give them an opportunity to bounce off that confidence and see if they can translate that to international football. I don't know what other opportunity you necessarily have. And I think it relates to Taylor Ray very much as well. This is probably the best season I've ever seen her play. And in a phone call earlier today with someone from the APL, even they said that in the grand final, Taylor Ray was the player that stood out to them. She has just been sensational she has been the perfect replacement for Teresa Polias which is something I don't think I would ever have said but she has slotted into that number six role so naturally and the fact that the person in front of her is Ivy Lewick love Ivy don't get me wrong she has been an incredible servant for the game she is uh, and has particularly for the A-League women's you know when she was here for Melbourne City she played such a crucial role she's played a big role for the Matildas since she's come back but she's also older. She is meant to be retired. She was only meant to come out of retirement for the Asian Cup, almost out of desperation. And that was just meant to be it. And yet she has been selected above a young, emerging, natural number six, an area of the field that we are really struggling with at Matilda's level, aside from Claire Wheeler, who I think actually is a better box-to-box midfielder, but that's another conversation. Taylor seems to be the natural heir to that position in my eyes and how you don't use again an opportunity against New Zealand to give her her Matilda's debut particularly given the first game is in Townsville where Taylor Ray grew up you know how you don't get take that opportunity to hand her debut to in front of home family in front like it just it sort of baffles me and I think that's in those particular positions like when it comes to players selected on form I don't think this squad necessarily it sort of uh, rings true to that. I think looking at the squad and just the little bits and pieces I've heard around it, I do wonder if this has been, the squad has been constructed with like, this is the group that are, or this is going to be the core group that go to 2023. Therefore we need to be bringing them in as much as possible, but I definitely agree with, but then for me, it's like, where does Ivy Lewick um, figure into that? And where does a Claire Polkinghorn, like, again, fantastic players. But, yeah, like you, you mentioned, Anna, like we know what they can do and I wouldn't see them necessarily being at the forefront of 
2023 squad. So it is, it is an interesting one um, for sure. I think the Taylor Ray, it, it, if she had been included, I think it would have generated so much excitement as well. That's another thing, like the hype. Everyone, you know, we're sitting here with just um, did our grand final pod review. Now there's more football to look forward to. And if it was like the greatest hits from that grand final, wouldn't that be fantastic? But yeah, part of me is thinking through that because Kara Cooney Cross was included and I guess she's had a quieter season, but that inclusion is probably, yeah, because she's going to be at the centre the center of this this squad come 2023 but yeah it's a it's a tricky balance i'm and just quickly i'm going to be interested to see caitlin ford and Haley rasso in particular because there's some players emily van egmond is sort of an outlier in the fact that she hasn't been getting much football whereas the rasso like rasso kennedy and ford have seemed to have been having a, a decent streak at the in club land um, which wasn't necessarily the case coming into the Asian Cup. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm potentially quite interested. Same with Macca as well, actually, even though she's been on a, a slow and steady incline for quite a while now. I think it's fair to bring most of these players in because you do need to get camps together pre-World Cup in a bit over a year's time. But I think the question mark for most people is that it wasn't a bigger squad. There wasn't fresh faces in there. You've got players that have had limited game time that it in the squad it's just it feels like if this is this if if they're convinced this is a 23 that's going to take him to the world cup i'm confused because they weren't able to get it done in performance mode at the asian cup which indicates that you need a change up you need a freshen up we've had chats outside the pod and you know you talk about oh it's not even necessarily a dropping like you see I feel like you have some very mature conversations maybe around the u.s women's national team or some of the others in europe where you go no, no, these players are going to stay behind and stay at club land or they're, we, we need to bring some depth through and test them out. That's what I would have liked to have seen here. And Sam, I think, summed it up perfectly in terms of Ivy Look. Ivy Look is the most known quantity player of any known quantity ever, right? Like, And she's a great character, um, a senior player, mature personality. It's not a, surely not a hard conversation to have to say, we want to test out Taylor Ray. Or you have bring in... Taylor Ray with Ivy Look, and you get them training together. And you go, no, we want to. We see Taylor as the way forward. There's a few different question marks over it, and why aren't we seeing? Why aren't we seeing these players come in? The other factor, and I know we'll talk about it in terms of what Tony said in the presser, was like it feels like a very, very, very frustrating time if you're a player aged between I want to say 21 and 26, who isn't necessarily a, a lock in this team. I think what summed it up was two days before playing in a grand final, one of the biggest games in her career, Ali Green told multiple news outlets, so New Zealand media, AAP, Sydney Morning Herald, excuse me if I've forgotten anyone, that she was going to be switching her allegiances to New Zealand because I think she'll be in this squad. Her FIFA thing won't have come through yet, but she'll get to be involved in the New Zealand squad. And it was very clear from these various interviews that this isn't just a, I'm never going to play for them. You know, I reckon I've got a great chance of breaking through in New Zealand. Happy days. Yeah, I'm making this decision early. It feels like, it, it, sorry, it feels like a player who felt like she'd had the door slammed in her face or the door was never really open to her, despite being a young Matilda, despite being a, a strong performer at Sydney FC for several years. I'm not saying Ali Green is the answer at left back. I, yeah, Steph Catley is a fantastic player, for example, and there are, there are other options. I don't think she was a successor by any means, but she deserved a chance. 
Like she deserved the opportunity to feel like her first choice national team was interested. And you get the impression that she didn't feel that. And it seems like for a lot of these players in this age group, uh, we've seen very, albeit very recently, Courtney Vine and Remy seems come through. It seems similar. What, what's happened to Angie Beard, for example? She was the best left back in the league ahead of Ali Green last season. They have different traits, obviously. But she did what people have been talking about, going to Europe, did what exactly what Claire Wheeler did. They're even at the same club. Wasn't in the Asian Cup squad, isn't in this one. And you have to wonder what do some of these players have to do to be in the periphery? Like we saw her debut against Ireland, Sam. You and I were the only ones on that press conference where Tony Gustafson was praising her for being brave with and without the ball. And you go, great, another one at left back. So all of a sudden, if Angie Beard's not figuring and Ali Green's not figuring, is Courtney Nevin meant to be have the pressure of being the answer as both successor at left back and at centre back? which is unfair on a player who's just turned 20, had a patchy season, you know, was better in the finals, but didn't have a standout A-League women's season. Like, if we were meant to be seeing depth built at the same time as results coming through, then bar at the Olympics where we saw a a good result, we we haven't really seen either. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, and this is also a Courtney Nevin who has never played overseas. You know, she's only ever played here in Australia. She's only ever played 14 games of the dub and then gone to MPL, you know. And it's it's funny to me that at, towards the end of the press conference with Tony, you know, he was asked pretty straight up, like, is the, is the A-League women's good enough now for international selection? And he was like, well, not really. You know, 14 games is not enough. You can't, you can't develop the into the kind of football footballer quickly enough in a competition that's only 14 rounds long and then going to state league you can't do that anymore so you have to go overseas and so he actually said he expects more players to be going overseas in the next couple of weeks we've already seen a number of them signing we've seen Nevin and Cooney Cross to their credit sign for a club in Sweden Remy's going to Sweden as well so you know it's it, it is it I'm starting to get to the point I think where I'm like actually I do have some concerns because I think coming off the Asian Cup, there were so many factors involved in so much of that, that I think us on this pod wanted to give Tony the benefit of the doubt. Um, But it's getting to the point now where it's like, all right, so largely things are pretty controlled here. We're not really buffeted by COVID hugely. You know, we don't have a huge run of injuries like the Socceroos you know, this is, this is it. You can sort of do what you have always wanted to do here. And yeah, that I guess the rationale um, that Tony offered behind this particular 23 was that he, on the one hand was wanting to narrow the squad down. Angela, as you mentioned, like this is sort of the time now to figure out this is the core group. And this is the group that we're going to be largely working with up until 23 and so we want to lay down some clearer principles we want to get them playing the kind of style that we really want compared to the previous year which was about experimenting it was about seeing as many players as possible I think there was almost 80 players who were brought into various ID camps and other kinds of uh, high performance environments for them to to assess and presumably Ali Green was part of that Angie Beard was part of that um but for whatever reason, they have dropped out of that 23. And I don't know why. I think that's maybe something that only 
Tony, the coaching staff and the players themselves can really speak to. Um, but I think it is going to be something that is going to need to be spoken to at some point because we do have these players who are playing elsewhere. We do have these players that pub test, eye test, there are some who are performing better than others in similar positions. And so you sort of have to wonder then what is the, what is the base rationale for these kinds of selections when on the surface, it seems, it seems quite contradictory. Um, But I think another important thing to note is that uh, this coming year, we're not going to see the same amount of player experimentation or the calling up of younger players um, that's not because necessarily they don't want to, but it's because our youth national team programs are getting back up and running again. And in a normal football world, that is how this sort of stuff would work. You would have your Taylor Rays and your Hawksbys going into the under 20s, the under 23s, getting game time there. And then if they impress at that international level, then they can make the step up to the senior team. But by virtue of COVID, which shut down all of our youth national team programs over the past two years, Tony and the coaching staff said that they had to sort of accelerate that. They had to skip a bunch of levels, bring these young players into senior camp and see how they would go. Some of them dropped off, some of them stayed, and that's just how that goes. But now hopefully in the next six months, now that we've got an under-20 Women's World Cup coming up, that we've got an under-20, finally, a young Matildas team who are going to be preparing for it, getting together in camps, training in high-performance environments, doing all the stuff that they haven't been able to do, that may in itself accelerate the development of some of these players who we have actually been talking about. So be really curious to see what this squad looks like in the next couple of windows, because there are only eight windows until 2023. So maybe the next couple are going to be the last possible sort of opportunities to really bring in a couple players who are performing well elsewhere. And then after that, I reckon it's really time to knuckle down and actually focus on one group of players. I just still reckon there's no such thing as being too big to drop. I I, th- I just think if yeah I agree they, when you're a team that hasn't made it to the summit, I think there is always room to bring other players in and to let players know that their spot isn't necessarily safe. And that's not an indictment on the current group of players, but it's you know it's from the community level down. It, it's, it's good for competition, it's proven, as well. right? Competition yep. improves everyone, and I think that's what we need to see. It's a shame we don't have a a 23s squad, Sam, but. It's um, it'll be good to see the twenties back in action. But I think that's the thing. It people, based on the response we saw, people aren't necessarily confident that this same twenty three in week in week out or window in window out, um, is going to necessarily do the job. So we do need to see these players coming through. I guess one thing you might have noted as well, Sam. It, it does feel like there is a real disconnect between national team and. A-League women coaches in terms of the frustration around some of these players not getting picked. And it, it, we've heard Ante Juric talk about it a few times. We've heard his players talk about it, but you do feel like there is that that frustration that there hasn't been these players looked at. And I think we mentioned it post-Asian Cup. It feels like, I don't know if it's getting everyone in a room or, you know, you can't always necessarily do it literally, but there needs to be that engagement. You want to see, you know, is a Chelsea Dorber going to be in a camp at some point? Is a we mentioned Ray Hawksby, Winona Heatley. There's there's plenty of of talented players, and that's just not not just here. There's obviously we know that plenty have gone overseas and then aren't getting a look in again. You know your India Page Riley, Carly Rossback has been off the radar. So it'll be interesting to see how that how that changes because I 
I don't think the solution is just sticking with 23 over and over again. The definition of insanity, right? <laughs> if it's, it's, it's all going to be very interesting to see how it plays out post this New Zealand um, series. How much are we going to learn when it's the same players over and over? So <laughs> that's, I think that's the, the end frustration for me. I was just wondering if the talent ID camps is, is still a thing or if that was more just to tie it over the fact that we didn't have those programs running during COVID that I guess a lot of the folks, but um, as Anna was saying, there's that sort of age bracket of 21 to 26 and whether that's, I'm intrigued to know what kind of infrastructure is in place to capture um, and support that playing group. I'm sure there is stuff there. I just, it's not in me noggin, but um, it, I, it is a really important thing moving forward to be able to bring people in and have that recognised, their talent recognised and their efforts recognised, if it's worth recognising. Basically what you will let. I've got to say, if the aim is for a lot of these players that are on the fringes to go overseas, one thing that would maybe help is if they played 60 minutes against New Zealand and put in a really good performance against, you know, not purely A-League women um, opponents. Often, you know, I know that Sam mentioned it and she's very right that youth international football helps in that regard, but senior minutes helps a lot more. Um, Yeah, I feel like I'm repeating myself now, but I think it's just it just compounds the frustration. I think we all got so excited about this end of the A-League women's season. Players like Chidiak come back to the league saying, this is where I want to make my mark. I want to get lots of game time under my belt. To be fair to Alex Chidiak, she has been very like nonplussed when talking about Matilda's side of things. But I've got no doubt there was plenty of players that looked at this as, you know, the shop window to say, I want to make a run at 2023, do this then go overseas, hopefully crack into the Matildas. And just for a two-game series at home, it, it just feels like such a missed opportunity. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's quite flattening because I think normally we're all quite excited when we see a Matildas squad came, sorry, come out. But, I mean, we all knew Katrina Gori was coming back and it's fantastic and it's exciting, but there wasn't too much else to be excited about with this one. So, I think maybe the final... Um sort of comment to make is that if this is going to be the core of the 23, then we better see something against New Zealand, you know, like coming, coming off that Asian cup, it was sort of hard to assess how the Matildas actually performed because you had in the group stage, three sort of minnow teams. And then all of a sudden you had South Korea, a South Korea team who reached the final, a South Korea team who were very well coached and a South Korea team who had a world-class player at their heart who was the game changer and made all the difference when it counted. To be fair, I do think we should have beaten South Korea. And we talked about that. We don't need to go over old ground, but that first half in particular was very good football from the Matildas, but they just panicked towards the back end as they tend to do. So I think what this New Zealand series needs to be is a reminder for fans, for media, that this Matildas team are not as bad perhaps as that Asian cup made them look. And it's a real opportunity to, for Tony to show us that he is the real deal, you know, that he is laying down principles and he, he knows how to get the best out of this group because he has to, he's the one who's in charge of doing this. And we have just over a year 
until the global spotlight is going to be on them. So we need to see something more from this team. And I know that they haven't been in camp since India. They skipped the February window. And that's, I think, probably a good thing because mentally after a tournament like that, like you would need to reset. You would need to just go back to clubland, play some football, get your body right, and then come back into this window refreshed, wanting to make an impact, wanting to prove a point. Because I think this is this is the purpose of this series. It's to prove a point, not just to us, but also to themselves. Just quickly, I, I did find it interesting um, in one of the articles, they wrote up a quote from the presser from Tony talking about the nine out of 10 statistic that emerged from the review, which I think is kind of interesting because it does potentially suggest complacency in the fact that we're seeing a very similar squad because we nine out of 10 times we would have or should have won that game, right? But it is a case of like, well, that doesn't, that's that's statistics, that's numbers that can tell us a lot, but that doesn't, um, like how do you make it 19 out of 20 times, for example? How do you make, make it a sure thing? And again, doesn't speak to all of these other issues about being able to see players who can bring that, that point of difference and, yeah, just the longer-term project of having the best players, best Australian players in this squad. But anyway, I thought that was interesting and suggests a sort of top-down messaging somewhat. I just think one way, one good way to to test out what Sam was saying about players wanting to come in, prove themselves, feeling good, feeling fresh, wanting to prove a point, chuck them in a squad with the best informed players that Australia's got right now. Um, and we've not seen that. That's, that. that's the crux of it for me. I think the only real thing we can say with certainty right now is that we were always going to watch these friendlies with interest, but this squad has certainly made things a little bit more interesting. So we have the two games, the 8th in Townsville and the 12th in Canberra. Get down to a game. Make sure you chuck it on the tally if you can't. We will obviously be talking about the games once they are one and done. What did I forget? I just wanted to say that me and Marissa and Sam will be speaking at the Women's Football Writers Festival run by Women On Side before the game on the Canberra, the Canberra game, before the Canberra game. So, yes, just pump, pumping that up and giving us a zhuzh. Sorry, I wasn't sure if you are going to do that because sometimes you don't like to promote yourself. But getting No, in I'm not going to lie. I probably would have forgotten. So good zhuzhing, good promoting. Come hang out in Canberra. It's going to be great. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any takes, feel free to let us know at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But otherwise, as usual, we are on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can find us wherever you get your pods, Spotify, Apple and Google. Leave a review. Feel free to subscribe. But until next time, go Tillies and see us.